Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sharks after the dark, folks, talking with you again. Justin Sanders joined by John Stefanzik, uh, just like you know you're used to every week. You know, John, one of my favorite thing, uh, one of my favorite things, excuse me, about podcasts is that you can listen to them whenever you want. You know, have you noticed that about podcasts? They're on demand. It's your schedule, and you can just fast forward through the commercials as well with well, you the, can. the you, second deal. We 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 are a commercial free podcast. We believe in percent <laughs> listening efficiency. So we are, we are commercial free. But back to my my point, you know, podcasts for the listener. On demand, that's kind of a similar philosophy to what John and I have towards recording the podcast, which is, you know, we're just going to do it whenever we feel like it. So, you know, thank you for joining us on this uh, late week edition of Landtracks After Dark. We're uh, recording this on a Thursday on the eve of, of baseball season for Ole Miss, um, one of the, the greatest times of the year. You know, obviously, every SEC fan loves their football. You know, you can't beat the pageantry and... Uh, you know, the the weight of SEC football, you know, those Saturdays feel so important. But on the other end of the spectrum, I think um, for Ole Miss fans especially, baseball is um, a, a favorite for kind of the opposite reasons. You know, it's relaxing. You don't have to worry too much about any one game. You get to enjoy the nice weather and socialize. Um, a lot of things people like about football, you know, the Grove atmosphere, you kind of get that during the game itself in baseball. As we mentioned on the show before, Landstrikes After Dark was founded in uh, in right field of, of uh, Oxford University Stadium in Swayze Field. So, obviously, n- near and dear to our hearts, we're going to preview uh, baseball season on the show today, give you a little uh, look ahead to the pitting situation, try to project one through nine on the batting order, stuff like that. Um, a little later in the show, we'll discuss basketball. Um, John and I were just talking, you know, it's we've we've given you lots of if this happens and this happens and this happens, Ole Miss has a shot, you know, and this and this. But kind of at the at the point of the season we're at now, um, wait, John, Ole Miss is what six and seven in the league? Is that about right? Uh, six and yeah, six and seven. That's right. Six and seven. Split the week, beat Arkansas in Oxford, um, and then went and really fell apart in the road in College Station against A and M. But looking like um, a team that's going to need to play pretty well down the stretch to get that NIT spot. Um, probably the most likely outcome, although no postseason is very possible. We saw that last year. But, uh, you know, the numbers are what you say you are, as, as Andy Kennedy would say, and Ole Miss is not an NCAA tournament team by any metric at this point. Um, so we'll get into that, and then we're going to wrap up the show, talk some off-field stuff. Um, you might have heard about some of the crazy happenings over in Knoxville, um, not a not a great time period for the University of Tennessee's football program as far as off the field scandals and stuff like that. Uh, lots to talk about there. We'll get to that. We'll talk about Ole Miss and the ongoing or perhaps not ongoing, depending on who you believe, NCAA investigation. Um, we'll get into all that later on the show. But we're gonna open up with some baseball talk. 
Uh, John, were you were you waiting to interject with something there? I couldn't tell if you were pausing to say something. No, I just was going to let you keep you rambling. Sound, oh, I was gonna, rambling, rambling. Wow, that rambling. was a concise... Providing hard-hitting content. A concise and targeted uh, itinerary for the show, but thank you for uh, for your input on my host. I was page. just waiting. Just I letting, appreciate it. I was just wanting to know where I needed to give you the weekly weather report. Thank from you my so much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. People, people want to hear it. John, tell us what the weather's like in Boston right now. Uh, well, it was negative 7 degrees Saturday night. Uh, low wind chill negative thirty, coldest mm. day we've had of the year. But it mm. it's been nice this week. Actually, it's supposed to be fifty degrees Saturday. I'm going to grill out and build it around the uh, <laughs> baseball season opener. I'm going to grill out in February in Boston because this I can. 50, 50 degree cookout, love that. That's, uh, Dude, this is legitimately like you, I've lived up here long enough where this is a it has been that is a warm day. I'm happy about it. It's supposed to be seventy in Oxford tomorrow. There's going to be a home opener in seventy degree weather. I believe that. I was up there for the William and Mary opener last year, and it was cold. But I, there was an opening weekend one time. Uh, one of the, our dear listeners, Austin Miller, and I were out there against TCU, and it was like thirty. I swear, it, was, it might not. It was probably uh, thirty degrees. We were out there with two uh, plastic fifths of wild turkey because we knew that beer wasn't going to be a good idea. And you, <laughs> we, you also knew you couldn't. Some, somebody not. Somebody not named me may or may not have like knocked over and spilled a whole bottle of it and then like blacked out. I think we know who that was. Imagine who that was. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean that that just reminds me of the midweek game when it was raining and like me, you, and Austin were literally the only people in right field. Yeah, was that a Memphis game? That's part uh, of the. It might have been. It was something where we were like, we need to be here for this. But then again, when I lived in Oxford, that's how I felt about every baseball game when I wasn't yeah. working. You know, because look, looking back, like you, like you, like from up here, I think oh, I can go to a football game and fly down and get the whole experience. Baseball, I mean, you could go to a game, but like being a non-student in right field to me would be kind of. I mean, I guess well, if you were, it, it depends. Well, you know, I what, still have what, a couple guys. You know, well, like the Will when Bedwells. When you're when you're thirty years old, you yeah, know, one that's, that's there that. Good. You can go to the Grove and do the whole Grove thing. You can't go to the right field and do that. I that. think I think some people in our friend group, starting with Lon McDermott, Ryan's older brother, might be contemplating a, a move to left field due to age. I think that's the right move, especially if you have with that. I, I, I don't deny that I'll have to sit in left field someday. I'm ready for that, but I'm honestly, seriously, not a joke. I'm not ready to give up the beer shower yet. Like it's just, too, it's too much fun. It's too much fun. It's it's so ridiculous. It's so juvenile and childish. Uh, but it's just pure ebullience, you know. When, so you, when, the, when it, the balls in the air. It's honestly, I mean, Ryan, Ryan and I have talked about this before. Like, we all miss baseball. Something actually, you kind of miss more as an alum attending. Oh, absolutely. This is a football game. I mean, you can obviously football games are great, but you can always kind of go back and do that. So well, that's one of, the, one of the things I I enjoy about living in Jackson, apart from being able to go to football and basketball games and stuff, is being able to leave out on a Friday afternoon, um, go to all three games. It's really nice. You know, one of the benefits of living within driving distance. Um. But, so yeah, I'm looking forward to taking advantage of the fact that with I guess second year of this SEC ESPN network, you can I can watch all of these games. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. All the home games. That's, I, we were looking at the schedule. So before we get into the lineup, let's let's yeah. look at the schedule first. So 
Um, I'm pretty sure the only games that we're not going to be able to watch, the only weekend games we're not going to be able to watch on non-conference road series. Yeah, so Coastal Coastal Carolina um, would be the one. Well, the Coastal Carolina tournament and then at UAB, I think everything else will be on. But I'm sure UAB has a streaming option you can pay for. Probably. if the Coastal, since the Coastal games are – a tournament is that right yeah i don't yeah, know how yeah. yeah yeah verso coastal carolina tournament march 4th through 6th we play ball state uh coastal carolina and cincinnati uh all the coastals but i'm assuming this is a tournament they're gonna have some sort of a streaming option yeah no, i would think so for that it's old miss is hosting uh louisville and oxford next weekend which is cool um Michael. Louisville's a top five, or somebody projected it to be like the two over, uh, number I mean, two really overall good. national McDonald, seat. McDonald's built a really good program there. Former Bianco hitting coach. Cool to see him coming back and playing. Um, I'm just going to formally request right now that first pitch from Bramlin against Louisville on Friday. We just go, we throw at the head of the leadoff Louisville hitter. Let's just, let's wow. just lead off with an fu statement. I, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, what I is think this, why, what is, where's your rage? They're today? just all, they suck. Louisville. Well, Pat 40 is a Louisville defender. Okay, that's fair. That's strike one. Uh, they have Rick, Rick Patino is very hateable. Don't like him. Uh, McNair and this whole phobia with McDonald and they get the Bianca. Like who cares? They play in the American and they're all, I don't know. They've, they're annoying. I vote. I I, I can't. And you know, plus, baseball, you can do stuff and piss people off and get in fights and entertain. Then you can do it. It's like hockey. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that'll be good. Louisville. I mean, we like McDonald. I like him fine. Former Ole Miss coach. Um, it'll that'll be cool though. Get Louisville in town. Um, Southeast Missouri for a weekend series. No, a midweek series. It looks like for a midweek series. They're decent, right? Uh, Grambling. Yeah, I don't know anything about Grambling. I assume not good. I haven't studied. SEC slate. They open in Knoxville against Tennessee. No big deal, I don't think. Uh, Hopefully they don't get accused of any crimes off the the field. We'll get to that here at the end of the pod. Um, Home opener, they host Carolina. Carolina's traditionally very good, but they they have been down a little bit the past. Who's the the guy that replaced Tanner, Chad Holbrook? They've been – haven't been quite as good under him. Yeah, that sounds right. Um. See, then they go to Starkville. Uh, state didn't state state was like what six and twenty four last year. Are they supposed to be any better now? Oh uh, yeah, I mean they're projected like top fifteen. Um, Why? Yeah, they have some legit pro pro prospects. Apparently, uh, I think that Dakota Hudson kid's a good pitcher. I think they have a hitter named Roberson that's supposed to be a legit prospect. But yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. Cohen's kind of an offense killer. Yeah, historically, we'll see. Co- Cohen gets a lot of credit out of this. Out of that, yeah, that one run. Wasn't it using Polk's players? Yeah, and then he. I mean, he made it to the World Series final, and then he made the. That's what I'm talking about. Was that? Am I wrong about that? Wasn't that his second season or first season? I thought I'd have to go back and look. I think, it, I think that was like his first season. They host Arkansas. They're always pretty good. They go to Alabama. Alabama's got a new park. Didn't they go to Alabama last year? Yeah, we did. So why the hell are they? That's weird. Man, I don't know. The SC office messes that stuff up all the time. We we just played. Um, then we didn't. This just happen? Oh no, they hosted Alabama last year. I, I'm thinking two years. The, the the 2014 College World Series team went and got swept there. That's what I was thinking of. Maybe so. 
that's what I got mixed up. Host Auburn, host LSU. They go to Georgia, Kentucky. I mean, oh, from I take it back on Cohen. That was those were his players. That was like four years after he started. Yeah, uh, that first was his team. So they get Kentucky, Georgia. But look, uh, even even that team only Carolina, went six, they only went sixteen East. and fourteen in the SEC. Yeah, no, they just got hot. That's all they did. Uh-huh. A team. I mean, that almost was going to sweep them. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh God, Bobby Wall was. You know, that's the game, that's where he went out there threw an inning Friday at rain. He came back on Sunday, yeah. pitched, and then the bullpen had nothing left. I remember that it was kind of the opposite of the last series last year where. MSU was down on Ole Miss, and we let them win in like the ninth inning. And that game, I mean, you can look back and say that propelled it was, State yeah. run that they did. Well, you can say the same thing about the Egg Bowl in 2013 and Dak Prescott, yeah. the number one ranking. I mean, without that win, I agree with that. So look at look, look at the schedule. You get Kentucky, Georgia, Tennessee, and Carolina from the East. That's pretty. That I mean, you you miss Florida. Missing Florida's huge. You miss Vanderbilt. Miss that's Vanderbilt. huge. Yeah, that's both. huge. And then Missouri's bad. But you, no, I think it's I, a good schedule. Because Georgia, I mean, could be good, but they've been down for a while. Kentucky, so, toughest, yeah, never toughest series, um, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and then probably LSU and A&M. I don't think the Carolina series is anything just to get crazy about. We'll see. I mean, South Carolina's LSU, LSU, ranked and, above Ole Miss, I, I LSU and A&M are by far the two toughest. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, Arkansas and Oxford is good, but Arkansas always gives us problems. Yeah. I mean, I've seen them win two out of three. It seems like the home team wins two in that meeting every year is pretty much what. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a baseball thing. Yeah. Uh, getting LSU back in Oxford is nice. It sucks having to play in box. Yeah. Um, at Georgia, I don't really know anything about their program, but didn't they – did they change coaches or no? Isn't their coach Scott Strickland like the same name as – Yeah, I can't. Athletic yeah. director is the same name? I think they've – I mean, they, 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 they fired uh, – not Dave Brando. Some of, they fired whoever they're got. I, know, I, think they did, I think they have a first-year coach. That sounds oh, okay. right. Okay. So, yeah. I didn't realize I didn't realize Florida, Louisville, Vanderbilt are the top three in D one baseball, which that's where Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fit are. They're probably as good as anybody when it comes to covering this stuff. So they miss those. They get Louisville, but they miss Florida and Vandy. You, you play Louisville's good for a. Uh, it's almost kind of it's almost kind of the best of both worlds because the because that because the committee's going to look at conference record with the SEC. Right, but you're going to get the RPI bump from Louisville. Yeah, but they look at your out of conference, take the schedule right. You exactly. Got, you got so that's going to be there. good. No, it really is good. A and M's fourth, LSU seventh. Yeah, those are the two toughest series. I mean, States. if you can get if you can get one from Louisville and Oxford next weekend, that's pretty much you, you know you'll get respect for doing that. If you manage to steal two, is a huge victory. State was twenty four and thirty last year, and they're fifteenth in the country preseason. That's bullshit. I'm yeah. sorry. Carolina seventeen. I think they're getting. You know, Carolina could have a could be pretty good this year and kind of a bounce back. I just I don't think, know. I think so. Yeah. Arkansas twenty fifth, so yeah, it's it, it's it's not an easy schedule, but it's manageable, I think. Uh, so, I mean, okay, yeah, it, it sets up uh, opening at Tennessee. I think is fine. Um, I, South Carolina State back to back. It's interesting to play State this early, uh, playing them April first, as, as opposed to like double decker kind of end of April. 
Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the so the, the the schedule is really tough in the beginning. If you go, South well, it seems like we always play summer. state when it's in Starkville. We play them earlier in the season, and then when it's in Oxford, it's always later in the season for whatever. It's it seems like it's always been that way. Maybe There's so. Like, I think usually in, in, when they play in Starkville, they'll do like Super Bulldog weekend or something. Exactly. So yeah, super, I guess Super Bowl, Bulldog Saturday is April. I mean, 7th. honestly. Schedule's pretty solid. There's not many breaks, you know? But it's not just – I don't think it's impossible by any stretch. If this team's good, they win 20. They can. If this team is legit, they could win 20 games with the schedule, conference games. Right, I, so I, that's, that's the transition, right? It's like the schedule's tough, but the team looks to be, you know, pretty complete. Um, can, yeah, we, I guess you want to go through the rock, kind of look at maybe yeah, – for sure. Foster rundown stuff now. Um, so media day was what Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Mike Bianco announced the starting weekend pitchers at least for this weekend. It was uh, Brady Bramlett, Chad on um, Friday, Chad Smith Saturday, and then Sean Johnson Sunday. Mm-hmm. Johnson was supposed to be the Saturday guy last year, right? Initially, yeah, but then he had Tommy John. So. That was behind Trent. I mean, Trent was going to Friday, so yeah, I mean. Ahead of Bramlett. Johnson has a very high ceiling. Eleven months off Tommy John's apparently has come back from it. It is this faster. Yeah, he, faster had, he had Tommy John surgery in February, and he was throwing like ninety miles per hour in October. So that's pretty crazy. He he has, but he's got a high ceiling, and he on Sunday could he's just got to be careful with the recovery. You know, recovery. But he, I think that's why he's on Sundays. Is because, I agree. But know, his they, I mean, he could be the best starter in the league on Sunday. Easily from a oh, yeah, for stuff sure. perspective, no setbacks with a recovery. Bramlett, I think, is a solid Friday guy. I would say he's probably middle of the league, and he's going to compete. Um, he's not. He's not a lights out uh, Bobby Wall or Pomeranz type that's going to go out there and be. He's, he's mentally tough. He's got a heavy fastball, but he's, he's got he's got a Friday night mentality. And he definitely Friday night mentality. He's a he's a team captain. He's a leader. He's another year removed from the labrum surgery, and that yeah. should make him stronger. I think he – I expect Brady should be solid Friday I'm night. I'm fine with that. And then as far as Chad Smith goes, you know, uh, Mike Bianco signed like 11 pitchers. I want to say something like six of them were Juco. Um, yeah. and, and Smith kind of emerged apparently as the best option from the Juco. So I'm fine with that. I think there's a lot of viable options at starter. Um, guys like James MacArthur, I believe is his name. Um, another Juco – there's a freshman, uh, Connor Green, supposed to be really good. Um, David Parkinson, I believe, is another starter. Um, so we're gonna see some some diversity in the in the midweek starts, and I think maybe get an idea of you know future starters or guys that can start on the weekends if there's any problem with one of these three guys. But um, you know, for a team where pitching is the question mark perhaps or one of the biggest question marks i i think that the bullpen is actually in really good shape you know some of these guys just need to get out there and show that they can actually do it on this level but up to this point all indications have been that they'll be able to presuming the starting rotation falls in place which historically under mike it does and especially Mike's nemesis has always been a Sunday guy, but having Johnson back there, if he can stay healthy and come progress and back, I think having the guys behind Johnson like the yeah. MacArthur and and they have yeah they have MacArthur as a who's a viable fourth option, and they have it looks it sounds yeah, like they're going to have Parkinson. I just said sounds like they're going to have some bullpen Chad arms. Chad Smith, yeah, um, or no, Chad Smith. Sorry, is playing. I meant Connor Green is a potential. They starter. they should be good. 
pitching wise. My question with this team is can is how how good is their offense going to be? They have the pieces to be good. I mean, it, I mean, Mike. The impression I got from Mike's body language, watching the uh, video of the press conference, he's very he's very upbeat and positive about this team. Yeah, I think he's, he's very optimistic. Yeah. Twenty fourteen. Everybody was like, is he going to be? I mean, he was coaching for his job, according to a lot of people, and yeah. Mike. That season, he never struck me once as a guy coaching for his job. He's always he seemed immensely confident in his club, and that I mean I, I felt like I picked up on that pretty early. And where twenty fourteen was like, you know, Mike really likes this team. He's got some depth to build around, and I get a little, I get kind of the same feel out of this. Where last year was very much a well, let's let's see what we can piece together. It's kind of a rebuild year. This is a much. Bianco's positive about this team. I think they should. I mean, based on his body language, I think he, he thinks they can compete to host. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way. Maybe you know, maybe finish in the top two or three in the West, potentially compete for the division. They won it a couple of years ago. I mean, they, and, and the thing, they, ha- they have a lot of arms, Bianco being being the U.S. national pitching coach, being a He's a. I mean, that's kind of his. That's his real. I'd say his. It's his specialty. Is managing the staff. So I think expectation wise, I think they. I mean, I think they went. I, I'd say they went sixteen, somewhere between sixteen and eighteen conference games. And if they got hot and won twenty, and like we're right there with A and M for the division, that wouldn't surprise me. What do you? What are your thoughts on the season? I Justin? think that's about right. I'm really. I'm really interested to see how the league shakes out because we have these projections, these preseasons, but it's it's going to be, you know, basically four weeks into the SEC schedule before I think we'd really know. You know yeah, where you, n- you never know. Projections in baseball are the hardest by far. And then the re- weird thing about them is, like, they're the most statistically driven, yet still, you know, the hardest to predict because baseball is so... Not college because there's so many JUCO guys sure. coming in. They have to adjust to the level of competition. They're the high- Tate Blackman was supposed to be... A- it was a freshman All American before the season last year, and just had a and had a hideous season. He should, you know, is he? He probably bounces back and becomes the guy everybody projected him to be. Yeah, but like, but you always have that factor. All all nine uh, ESPN baseball writers last year picked the Nats to win their division. So I mean, even in the pros too, the Precisely. projections the projections can miss a little bit. Um, I, I think this team is going to be really good. I, I think the best thing to compare it to is going to be last year's team. I think it's going to be improved in pretty much every facet. Um, all Not all nine, eight of – or not all eight, sorry, position players. Seven of the eight are returners since Sykes is gone. Everybody else should be back. I mean, the only guys they lose that you off the top of your head you go, oh, that, that's a net. Sykes and Trent. Exactly. And, then, and, I mean, Trent, and Trent last year was a good pitcher. He wasn't, he wasn't a, the pitcher he sure. was the he year was before. Two years exactly. ago, he was yeah. like, Sure. So, um, but the, pretty much the rest of the guys you lost besides Sykes Orvis and Christian Trent were basically either graduates or Trent, like Sam Smith, you know, solid contributors, but you're not, he had injury issues. It wasn't really, or there were also some guys like an Evan Anderson or a um, Scott Weathersby. That's the other guy, or right? A, uh, Joe Waynehouse, who, yeah, Scott Weathersby is a loss for sure. Great college player, but. Some guys transferred out to make roster spots, like um, the Joe Waynehouse. Who I, just learned that Wayne today. I didn't either. I just learned that today. Or um, Evan Anderson and somebody else both transferred to West Alabama. Apparently. Well, that, that, tell, that tells you all you need to know. Right. We, we, we needed roster spots to bring in young arms, and that's what Bianco did. I, I think it's going to be good. Let's let's predict the lineup. I'm going to go with number one, Errol Robinson. 
Yeah, I was going to sketch this out while we were, you were doing your intro and got distracted. The only thing I know for sure is Deshaun's going to bat ninth, but that's okay, so the. Let's, let's start with the. Let's start with one and nine. Or I'm, I'm putting Cam Deshaun nine. We both agree on that. I'm putting Aaron Robinson on first. Do you agree with me? It's, I, Cloyd let off a good bit last year and actually did well in it. I'm going to say Cloyd. I think Errol is. The, I like I like Errol in the two hole. That's fair. I like I like Cloyd. Um, where where are you? If you're putting Arrow at the top of the order, where are you putting Cloyd? I say Cloyd, Golson, uh, those two split up two and six. Gotcha. The other thing too, and I, I guess everybody can listen until we haven't. We were doing this on the fly. Is the lefty righty balance because sure, you do yeah, have yeah. How are you we do predict that? Because because the because the uh, the entire infield's right hand. As I sit here and look at yeah, this. Yeah, when you listen to our, when you listen to these predictions, think about the spirit of what we're saying. That's it, we might be wrong on a spot or something, but basically what we're saying is these are the guys we think they're going to be around here in the lineup. You know, obviously things change based on matchups. Here's here here. We'll, we'll, we'll take the listeners through how we think a manager constructs a lineup. This will be a fun exercise. So Lartig's a switch hitter. He's got he's probably your second or third most powerful guy on the roster. I see him in, at the five. Yeah, I agree. He's behind Bortles. Bortles is clean Bortles up. Bortles is your four. And Bortles I think is clean up. Woodman That's, is who you want to be your three, but the question is, does he live up to it? You know. Exactly. Um, if he's not there, Golson can be the three. Golson was the three last year, um, so I can see that for sure. I just, you know, I think they'd like to have someone with a little more pop, maybe in the three hole. Here, here's yeah. So, so and Mike's into the lefty righty thing, so we can kind of solve oh, yeah, it for that sure, way. For sure. Lartigue at the five. Yeah, I like that. I got that down. I got Bortles at the four. That's easy. Lartigue can switch. So what Lartigue does for you against a lefty, he can give you a righty behind Bortles. You can't pitch around him against a right-hander. He yeah. comes in as the lefty. And- Wait, so are there any, uh, other, there any other lefties? Woodman, Woodman being left-handed, that would put me Ooh. lead me to put him in the three. Uh, see, I think you go Cloyd because he's lefty at the top. Errol, right-hander, yeah. two-hole. And then um, in that case, I go Woodman third as a lefty because then now you can you can split it down the middle. That's not bad. That's um, Oral's right. Lartigue's a switch. He'll be left to get the majority. So then that puts Golson at six-hole. Now you can switch. Like Kate Blackman in seven. You could put Golson in the three against left-handed pitching and move Woodman down. That's and then that yeah. that lets you go. You could even bump Errol up and have basically between Errol, Golson, Bortles, and Lartie can flip around as four straight righties, two through five in your lineup. Um, mm-hmm. Woodman hitting sixth. So that's how. Okay, so that actually flexes out pretty well against left-handed pitching. That's always. Because we've seen that. I remember the 2013 team was a classic team that could hit right. It was a top 10 team against right handed pitching with uh, Matt Smith. And uh, who was the outfielder that could only hit righties? Uh, Zach. Uh, um, like. Uh, or, see, and it's, it was a K one. I can't remember. That team could hit righties and couldn't and was mediocre against lefties. This is. The 2014 College World Series roster was able to go both ways. This team, I think, well, based on this, can do so. Where does Blackman go then? We don't so really- I think I, I think you got Blackman in the DH in that seven eight one or the other. Blackman's playing second, so we right right. I'm saying I'm just gonna say DH, but that's probably 
DJ Miller, uh, potentially Kyle Watson, um, potentially, you know, if Cloyd has an off day in the outfield and Watson plays defensively, Cloyd could DH. Yeah, is um, Cloyd, he's Nick, gonna, per- Nick Perkins, potential DH. What do you say? Yeah, Perkins is potential. Is Perkins right or left-handed? I want to say he's a lefty that doesn't wear batting gloves. Ooh, look at that's detailed analysis there. Well, I, no know bat- I know he doesn't wear batting gloves, but I don't know look what hand you, he is. With the scoop. But you can't remember which side of the plate he's standing on. I can't remember. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I think left. I, I'm, I'm, I'm recalling the Mississippi State hit where he won the series with the right Baltimore hand. chop. Damn it. With the Baltimore chop. I remember I remember the, the hit, though. So Perkins is a righty. Wait, so he's right-handed. Watson's a righty. Wait, Sykes Orbis was a lefty, right? Yep. Okay, so I was thinking the right thing. Here's my problem. I always get it backwards. So if you're yep. if you're a righty, you you stand with your left shoulder towards the pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I got it backwards. So yeah, I could remember. I remembered. Uh, you remember the lead shoulder? Oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah. I like how you I talk remember, your I remember the lead shoulder. I do. I do because I remember Perkins pulled the chop. You know, he pulled it to third base, bounced it over the third baseman's head. That's how they won the state games. That's how I remembered it. Yeah. And I always remember Sykes is left and that because he pulled it towards the because he pulled it hit right. in the student section exactly yeah that's easy enough all right so sorry we're past that so Perkins DJ Miller we haven't talked about um, I don't know is he a JUCO or a freshman I think he's a JUCO he's, I think he's a he's a freshman oh well he's gotten rave reviews um, he's a righty for okay. his play at the plate he's been really good so he's a potential DH I think statistically he's been like the best contact hitter. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Chase Palmer, DoubleGrove.com, does a ton of good baseball stuff. He reported that um, Lartigue was the best hitter on the team in the fall, and I've always had some pretty harsh words for old Henry's. Uh, you know, Will Allen. Played. I was a Will Allen was to me was a bust for three years, and then was sure. absolutely fantastic in 2014. So I'll, I'll, we'll we'll see. Lartigue had a. There's a couple hits he had last year. Where you say, oh, he's got some real pop in the gap power, and maybe he cut. Maybe he goes into. It. I think per, I think having Perkins on the team also pushes him as well. So and, that and Fortis, who we haven't talked about, the freshman uh, catcher is really good. That's going to push him for sure. I I see Perkins as less of an option at catcher and more of like a wild card DH, potentially a first baseman down the line. Yeah, um, we'll see. Golson's a true sophomore, right? And so he's playing first now. But but he's a short first baseman. I could see him maybe going to third after. Is is Bortles going to go to the draft this year? Probably, yeah. Yeah. So after this year, they'll lose. No, well, maybe we'll see. We'll they'll see they'll lose Errol. It seems pretty sure at this point, considering how much you know uh, scouts are raving about him. He could hurt himself yep. this season, but I see Errol having a big season. Yeah, I think he's going to play well. So you, you lose Errol Robinson, potentially Bortles, potentially Woodman. Um, Give you some some hold, but I mean, with the depth right now in the outfield, this is also Cloyd's last year, right? Because of JUCO. Yep. Interesting, but he could the second year JUCO. If he could be really really good this year, I'm kind of anticipating. I mean, he, he he's a sleeper for having being being really good. He was a sleeper last season. He he only had like a hundred at yep. bats, but uh, he he hit like three seventy or something. Um, pretty crazy. That's like my numbers on MLB the Show. I'm hitting like 380 right now, I think. So, that, so every bench player, so the lineup we've built is Cloyd, Cloyd left-hander, Errol right-hander, Woodman left, Bortles right, Lartique switch. I'll say le- so. Well, I'll think left for uh, yeah, defaulting trading pitching, and then Golson Tate, 
whoever the DH is and then Deshaun, those are all right-handers. And they have pretty much exclusively a right-handed bench. You'd like to have one more lefty, but, I mean, they're going to hit left-handed pitching well with all these righties. And then they have enough. So, so the good thing is with Golson and, and Tate at six and seven hole, I mean, if Woodman's kind of overthinking himself, you, you can, can then yeah, you can move Golson you can move him three, down, and then you Woodman in the six. Yeah, so you have options. Really, you have a they have a pretty deep lineup here. Oh, I think so too. I mean, we haven't even we haven't even talked about um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This line if Lartig is the actually the best hitter on the team, it can be like an anchor there. Yeah. Want to go around Bortles, and they can get somebody in front of Bortles. Then they they have a they have a top, top half of conference. Yeah, lineup. I mean, actually, we might not be giving Lartigue any credit here. If he's if he's legit the best hitter on the team right now, he's gonna be in the three hole. Woodman's gonna be in the five probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So we'll see. I could watch, see watch that as that. well. Watch for that. Um, yep. That, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. At least I like the, I like the idea of Woodman in the five better, just the way he plays too. He's I think he spent a lot of time in the six last year. I want to say, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I, I think putting Woodman in the three is like a wishful thinking for an Ole Miss fan because you know you're really hoping he has that Boss Field junior season, but you're not going to know for a couple of weeks. A few, probably a couple months. But they got honestly. pieces they can move around and then kind of. I think. Oh, I think I think there's enough here that even if one of the question marks turns out to be a weakness, you still have a good team. Agree, agree. You can have one of these guys just be meh and still have a good team. If you have kind two, of, kind of like Tate was last season, where we thought he was going to be really good and he just wasn't. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Interesting that perhaps, I mean, probably not counting Blackman because that was kind of a fluke. But other than that, the DH is going to be like by far the least experienced hitter yep. at the plate. Can they, the, the one that, I mean, if they can get another outright power bat in the lineup, I don't know if Miller's that great to be that guy right now. Perkins. Perkins perhaps. is. Yeah. Borles is a clubber. Um, Woodman will hit a few homers. Uh, Lard Teague, maybe a few handful, but maybe no. I mean Golson will get lucky running into some. They'll run into a couple. Deshaun, Deshaun will have two, two over under two point five on Cam Deshaun homers. Well, how many did he hit last year? Like three, I think. Right? He did. I had to think about it, which I didn't. I didn't think it was possible until. No, I remember. Year. Didn't he hit one? Didn't he hit one uh, at Louisville? Overall, just like that was weird. I think so. Yeah, I think he did. That was good stuff. Um, I'm pulling up his buyer right now. He had two homers last year. Two, okay, so two point five, I think, is a good number here. I'll say three. They can't pitch around him as easy. Over. I like yeah. it. I like it. Uh, let's see. Last year he hit. Uh, he hit two fifty one last year. That's that's better. No, Dishon, Dishon the nine hole, and he does, and he he advances the runners. He's a good base runner when he's on. Yep. He's a. I mean, even if he or even somebody pushes him out of the lineup, he Deshaun's going to be. He's a valuable piece. Yeah, he, out of your lineup, it's so fine because no, he's, your, he's your best pinch runner by far. I have no issue whatsoever with him. The fast, him. fastest on the base base path. He's a good bunter. Uh, yep. I, I love Cam. And also good defensively. He's good in the outfield. Yeah, Cam Deshaun's the man. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at that statue. Kyle Watson's the guy on the bench. Let's say hypothetically Blackman struggles to start there. You could put Watson at second base, and he could kind of jump start. Help oh, jump. man, I, I love Kyle Watson's game. I think anybody that last that watched last season, basically this is a kid that played shortstop his whole life, 
He's so athletic. Ole Miss threw him out in the outfield, and basically by the end of the season, he was making Sports Center plays in the outfield. He was an above average defender. Yeah, in addition to in addition to that first half of the season where he hit above like three fifty for half, like it was crazy before he you know before he ran into scouting reports. Um, but a really great athlete. I I love Kyle Watson. I think he's the heir apparent at shortstop um, after Robinson goes next year. It's it's almost like they're, they're missing one corner, a corner infielder. Because first, I mean, Golson profiles is well. He's actually it really it's a, as you mentioned, it's a transition year. Golson is going to move over to third, and then somebody else. Think, yeah, would, so that's kind would, of the. I would think. But they'll they'll be. I mean, it's still going to be good there. Oh yeah, no doubt. So really, it, as far as position players go, it's it's one of those good problems to have where you're trying to get everybody on the field at once because there's so many you know potential contributors. Um, I think the floor. I think the floor of this team's a two seed in a regional. I, th- I think their floor is pretty high, actually. I think. I think that's a. I would. I would agree with that. I think. I think they fourteen. I think they win at least fourteen conference games. They're gonna be I mean, five. Probably worse. Ole Miss was the three seed last year. At no, they were. They were the two, but they were the lowest two because they had to go to UCLA. The lowest. They, the lowest two, but also. The low wait UCLA were they the number one overall seed? Yeah, they're the number one overall seed. I didn't, or maybe, I didn't understand that because they might have been the number two. They were one of the, they had the hardest three. Like Maryland was really good, and then yeah. it was CS Fullerton was the four. No, well, who was the four? None of the seeding makes any sense. Ever. It doesn't make any sense. But I mean, yeah, I think I think if last year's team was a two seed, that's got to be your floor for this year's team because this year's team is basically last year's team with a lot more pitching and a year of experience. So So final final prediction. I'll go ahead and give one. Uh, Let's see. I say they go twenty and six non-con. That's kind of the benchmark of a good team. Yeah. Uh, No, I'll say twenty-one and five because MacArthur's going to throw. They got enough. They're going to have good Tuesday pitching this year. Actually, with MacArthur, he's he could be Brady Bramlett esque back when Bramlett was a freshman prior to him getting hurt. And then I'm going to predict seventeen and thirteen. SEC play that gives us what thirty-eight and eighteen plus uh, Hoover. Um, you, don't to, you don't have to predict Hoover. Literally means nothing. It, Seventeen and thirteen. How many teams are in there to host Swayze? Okay, yeah, pre-Hoover. I say thirty-eight and eighteen going into Hoover. Yeah, I got that. I got that. I got thirty-eight and eighteen. I I have one less non-con. I got twenty and six in the non-conference. Eighteen and twelve. Well, that's uh, the better combination there. Yeah, no, you definitely take that if you're Mike Bianco. That host for seventeen is going to either way they're going to host, especially if they get a, if they can if they can win the series against Louisville, it's going to make their knock. That'd be huge. No, I mean just uh, basically ten days from now we'll have a you know Ole Miss could have already a huge piece you know in the hosting conversation. Yeah. Considering we'll have to see how that series goes, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's that's your that's your baseball preview. As we mentioned, Florida International comes to Oxford this weekend. First game uh, Friday, probably the day you're listening to this. Um, I'm I'm guessing first pitch is what like six or something like that. Uh, uh it's four actually. They do it at four in February. Oh, interesting. And then uh, one thirty Saturday noon Sunday. Interesting. Well, there you I go. was looking at this. I was build, I'm building my cookout around two thirty first pitch that's, Eastern that's time. That's good. That's smart. Saturday. Yeah, I'm missing it this weekend. I'll be out of town, but I might uh I might have to have to get up there for those Louisville games next weekend. Yeah. Um but yeah, so we see we see a good season 
on the horizon here for, for Mike Bianco's team. Um, I think he did a really good job of addressing uh, areas of need during the offseason, getting the pitchers. Um, we'll see how it works out. I mean, he's a he's a good coach. He likes the team. Like year, two, year two of Clement, I think that'll, that'll be help. beneficial that'll, as that'll well. Help. Him and Mike having worked together now for a year. That should be good. That'll definitely help. Um, let's move now. We'll have a little more basketball talk. We pretty much covered all our major points in the opening. Um, Ole Miss split the week. Really just, I don't, I, well, obviously a big problem. Andy talked about it, and if you watch an Ole Miss game, you notice it. They miss a lot of layups, a lot of easy, uh, baskets at the rim, um, it's you can't really excuse that. I, I don't know. What do you even attribute that to? Is it is it just inexperience? Is it lack of focus? I, I'm not sure. It it, it doesn't make La- sense. Lack of maturity and lack of talent. It's a team in a transition year that just gets antsy. They they they, they went watch the Arkansas game pretty much the, and through to through in detail. Moody Moody's like fifty percent uh-huh. with his leg. It's it's kind of hard to watch. He doesn't. He's I don't want to say he's detrimental to the team, but it's he's trying to be a volume scorer when he's not really in a be, the best position to do so. Saez is coming back from his eye uh, injury. He's about I mean he only played 13 minutes or so against Arkansas and fouled out. I mean he he and Moody are both at 50 percent give or take. Saez will get better as they go forward. Moody, I think I think I think the leg thing's going to hamper him the rest of the year. Honestly, he might gradually improve, but it's unfortunate. I think if because. Watch, I mean, Dante Fitzpatrick, Dorsey, Hyman, Brooks, those guys have, Brooks has, hasn't been great lately, but Fitzpatrick, Dorsey, and Hyman have really developed into, into solid players, and they make, they get you excited about next year. If they can put pieces around them, I think they have a legitimate chance to be good. Um, Perez even contributed a little bit on offense against Arkansas. It was kind of funny. Newby gives that was, you his, his classic uh, – Two games a season, right? He already had one, didn't he? He's done. Yeah, that was, that was kind of his other. Okay, this he's guy's, done. He's done now. Pretty much, yeah. Giello's like it, newbie Giello and Perez sort of basically executed their roles against Arkansas, um, which I mean, and they came out and played well the first half against A and M, particularly the first ten minutes, but then. Wore down. They kind of got worn down. And yeah, that game was weird. I, I thought Ole Miss was going to be really I had Ole Miss plus 9.5. and I had They came a, out hot. You're thinking, okay, uh, you know, A&M's on a slide. Ole Miss Ole is kind of – Ole Miss led by like eight in the first half and then just fell apart. Moody hit an awesome buzzer beater in the first half. Um, thinking, okay, they're down three. It'll be a grind to the end of, to the finished no, game. It just turned into a blowout. It's not meant to be. I think uh, – I mean – any any NCAA chance, barring a, some kind of pull it out of their ass run, and it's, I mean, it's, it's just it's the tournament. tournament in Nashville this year. Yeah, it is, and that's the only way they Worst. can make it. Um, that's the only way they're making it. They don't have any quality wins outside of uh, Alabama and Georgia, and those are not really that. Great. Those are not because they Moody losing the South Carolina game where Moody got hurt because that would have given him a quality win. Pretty much, really, any limited chance. I do think they win four out of their last five, though. They go beat Auburn, Missouri at home. I think they get stayed at home just because. Stayed at home. They take care of them. At Georgia's going to be tough. And then at Tennessee, they probably split the Georgia-Tennessee. My guess is they beat Auburn, Missouri State, and Tennessee lose to Georgia. They, yeah, I, think that's, that's I think that's important. 
for me, I'd like I to see him do that. important to get to the NIT, have some success there. Get some 20 wins out for the season. Right, just keep the momentum going for next year. So it's a 20-win season. It's a winning conference season, which given what – I mean, it's felt like a 9-9 nine nine team kind of going into it. So they probably – I think Andy's done a good job, really has done a good coaching job. It's just a matter of uh, he's got he needs, he's got a yeah. – He's had some bad luck with injury. I mean, if Saez and Moody he stayed healthy, hurt. they yeah, would have beat good. they would have beat State and Carolina without a doubt. And arguably, they beat maybe they beat Florida if they have Saez yeah. available and a and I mean, I mean to take those out. I mean, if you beat State and Carolina, then you have another top 30, 35 win. And well, you are also you're an eight been, you're eighteen and eight eight and five in the league right now. You're right on the bubble, if not barely in the tournament. I think that we totally forgot different. the Vanderbilt. The Vanderbilt win is decent too. It's yeah, that's true. They are well. Didn't well state be Vanderbilt? That is the weirdest team this year. I, Kevin Stallings has not done a good job with that team. He has a ton of he has done a good job legit talent. He has legit no. talent, but Vanderbilt's still a good win. Um, sure. yeah, I think your best case scenario. Uh, at the end of this season, is get Saez playing well. He's not playing well right now. He's still trying to get back in game form. Uh, keep He's him healthy. Thing, honestly, keep him healthy. He- but I think get him a little bit of confidence back. But what you really need is uh, you want Fitzpatrick Dorsey and Marcus Hyman to really be feeling good going into the off season. Your goal is to have Brooks Hyman, Fitzpatrick Dorsey, and Saez feeling good about in the right. off season next year. Maybe get Terrence th- Davis some more minutes. That's the yeah. That's a very good point. Have Davis. Gl has been a contribute. Has been better down the stretch. Gl great, but I mean he's gone after this year, so I don't really. Exactly. Care. If we're going to the NIT, I don't really care what Gl is. I think the is. goal for this team should be to try to host an NIT, the NIT NIT first rounder. I, oh man, that'd be actually be great. I mean, yeah, it's the NIT. Then, then you get a game in the pavilion. Yeah, I think that'd be I awesome. Think the, I think the committee actually was going to want to put Ole Miss in the. T- Towards that, because they want to have a game played in the building. They actually have a building people want to go watch a game in now. It's kind of yeah, nice. I, mean, I think it would be it would be cool to host an IT game. I think that should be the goal of this team. And given everything, and, and really, agree. you can look back and say the reason they didn't make the NCAA tournament because their two best players were not got hurt in the different various points in conference season. Saeed's missed three weeks. Moody's clearly hampered. Those, I mean, so then you can say we were middle of packing IT. We hosted an IT game. Nobody's really complaining about AK going to the IT this year because they all like the new building, from what I can tell. Message board threads that, and they're still all between recruiting and baseballs coming up now. Um, and, and also, I mean, if you actually watch, it's hard to blame. You know, it, it's, you can blame some on AK's recruiting, but Saiz's injury, Dwight Colby leaving, Dwight Colby yeah. leaving, nothing that he can do about insane. that about that yeah so i mean they had colby and those and moody and saeed stay healthy there i'm interested to see uh next recruiting class you know who who ak can convince yeah he's got a building to recruit bring people in which isn't going to change everything but it's going to stress the imagination but i mean well i i do i do think we need to get back to the ncaa's but if we can go every year or I mean, every other year, I think that's a, that's a. Good I think two out of three is a pretty reasonable goal. And this year, this year is the rebuild. Next year, you look at it; they should be. He Andy needs. He should make the tournament next year. I don't period. know. I don't think two out of three. I think one out of two. Yeah, I can see every other. I mean, two out of three doesn't really make sense mathematically. I mean, every nine years you go six times, but then what happens in the tenth year? What happens? 
Well, you reset. <laughs> then you reset. Okay. Yeah. All right. So in in from now on, AK is on nine year cycles. This is the first year he missed it. I got give you an odd number, Sanders, and I'm confusing you mathematically, man. I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm thinking it's two out of three right now, right? Yeah, because it's. Uh, but then next year it'll be. Marshall, but then yeah. at, at the end of this season. It's two out of four, right? Exactly. So, so three out of five. one out of two. So now, so yeah, now, now we're three setting. out of five. Man, this is getting complicated. Damn. I think one out of two is the best you could hope to do ever in the tad pad, given the state of the program. Two out of three should be the pavilion. I think goal. Two, I hope eventually, long term, with the pavilion and an actual an AD that actually understands and gets it, aka Ross Bjork. So basically, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, a long-term goal. We're transitioning to two out of three. You are you are self-fulfilling prophecy of when I predicted that Ole Miss fans were going to get restless with every other year. It's already happened, and it's you. I didn't say they were restless. I'm saying that should be the long-term goal. If they go every other year, we'll still be happy. But we should. You gotta. You gotta set a good a high a high. I'm never happy, so I don't really know what. You're hey, about. hey, all all what we've really proven. If you give people a shiny building and you give them a steak and shake and a recent cane and an old venice where they can go buy stuff at the game and the seats are actually comfortable they're going to be okay if they you know go 500 elite play that's pretty much year, but they're still going to bitch about the cup holders and is that what they're complaining about that's, that's a complaint they the complaint is something about like they're on the end of the armrest like a movie theater, but the arms are shorter than a movie theater or something. I don't, I don't really know. So I mean, we we all know my only complaint is the the student section on TV thing, but I, I have hope. Uh, a lot of other people have picked up that mantle as well, so I have hope that uh, we might resolve that in the future. We'll see. I wonder does the media, the the, the TV people sit on that side, or maybe they don't want the students behind the TV. I don't know. No, so the new plan is. To leave, or, or my new plan is to leave the media, leave the benches, leave the club seats. Uh, basically, all you're going to lose is the benches on TV, but not every school has that. I noticed during the Kansas State game that their benches are on the other side of the cameras. I mean, we know Vandy, they have benches at the end, so it's not like it's against the rules to not have the benches on TV. That would really be the big loss. It is against the rules to have the students behind the benches. That's why they can't do it. Ah, that's a good point. That's why they can't do it. So, but they could they could flip the floor and have the students be on TV, and they would just have to show the benches. Like, so do I want to see the students or the benches? Is what if you're an old Miss fan, you want to see the the students because it makes the games look way more full and exciting on TV. But it's kind of a sports nerd. I want to see the benches because I want to see. They're still going to show the benches. They have more than one camera in the damn building. Yeah, but I want to see it all on the same shot. I, I honestly, I'm going to stonewall here and say keep it the way it is because I want to see AK yell constantly. That's wow, highly. So it's been, it's been what? It's been a good 13 months, John. It's been good. This is where it all, uh, this is where it all comes to an end. This is the end, I guess. Um, yep. The podcast closing on this, uh, this tense disagreement that I'm not sure we're going to be able to work out. Yeah. Where should we put the benches in the pavilion? I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, okay. Do you want to move into some scandal talk now, John? Oh, yeah. Because, first of all, I just want to uh, apologize to Philip Fulmer for ever thinking that he ran a dirty program. In fact, <laughs> he's actually Mother Teresa compared to damn Butch Jones and what the hell is going on there. I mean, this, I mean, 
I've lost track of what all has happened this week. I was maybe you can help we put piece this together. So let's throw the the Peyton Manning stuff aside. That's been the biggest. I'm looking at a New York Post article on this. I'm going to throw the Peyton Manning stuff's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it, he probably did something, but whatever. I'm, that has nothing to do with Butch Jones. Uh, so they've I, had I disagree, listener. Go on, John. All right. So. Well, there's been three separate incidents now, if I have this right. So there's this lawsuit where basically multiple players allegedly raped. Was it just one one female or was uh, it multiple like, females? I think, okay, so the lawsuit is like six females. It's six females they, together. They all they've came. all separately been assaulted, I think, and they were dissatisfied. Did any with of the them way. know each other? Or how do they? I'm not sure about that. I have no idea what the answer is. First of all, it's fascinating. Six of them comes. The lawsuit has to do with the way Tennessee institutionally yeah. handles, handles these accusations, right? Yeah. And so there's another issue, which is the AJ Jefferson thing where they put a hit out on a player for reporting a sexual assault or something like that. Apparently. So there's two. So yeah. So there's and the newest one is also a thing. So I think, so is there. So I guess that's four pieces then, because you have the six women complaining. Counting Peyton, is that what you're saying? No, there's a. Well, it's only three pieces. Well, here, let's see if we can count this up here. Okay. This is this is Tennessee math right here. Okay. So six. So six females were sued against the way the Tennessee administration's handled the procedure. Within the context of that as well, I believe there's also a lawsuit about a hit out on a player for helping a victim. I don't know if that's a lawsuit or a criminal investigation. Or a criminal investigation. I, I, they, I, I, I thought that was part of the lawsuit, but that might have been separate. I, I think who it's knows? Like it's related, I think. I think the, the one of the six females is the same girl. That I got think the so, hit, too. I thought those were all – I think that was part of the I, I think it's a criminal thing, and then the lawsuit came off the criminal thing. Came, exactly. So that's – I'll call it – I'm going to call that two. You can call that one, and it doesn't matter how you want to count it. Um, and then you have yesterday some lineman got busted by a uh, dummy cop for texting – Pick, but I think I think sexting to a fourteen year old girl. He sent dick pics to what he thought. Sent dick pics. He thought yeah, it was a fourteen year old girl. girl. It, was a, yeah. it was a cop. It was a cop. undercover cop. Got nailed for that. So that's three. And then today, that's pretty bad, I, man. That's pretty bad. Then today, there's this whole this uh, another player got suspended for allegedly choking his girlfriend. Is that correct? Oh wow, I missed this one. Bring oh yeah, ah, see, here's four. Oh, I'm breaking news to you. So yeah, let's figure this out. Yeah, let me know what's going on here. Yeah, some guy Butch Jones actually suspended a player today. I think I'm oh, assuming wow. he did. He murder somebody? What is this? Oh, he choked his girlfriend. I think he tried to. Oh my god. That's yeah. That's Tennessee player. okay. Tennessee player suspended. This Google search could go a lot of places, but let's see what happens here. Yeah, seriously, that could that could take you deep into the 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 annals of the internet. Current player joined the fold, Alexis Johnson. Oh, hello, Butch. Why is your nose so red? Um, charges of aggravated assault and false imprisonment. Um, yeah, so Monday Monday was the aggravated assault, was the hit. was the hit aggravated assault stemming from the sixth female lawsuit. Tuesday, Matt Crowder was arrested for improper contact with a minor. That was the dick pick. And then today, the guy, um, 
Denise Swan is a victim alleges that Johnson, the guy that got suspended today, repeatedly choked her in his apartment early Sunday morning and blocked the door in his bedroom when she tried to leave, according to the warrants. So that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, it sounds like he's recruiting some very, uh, some very quality guys there in Knoxville. So I tell you that team's got talent, but they've underperformed in the win loss column. It's almost. We had, I think, about a year ago, Table Cobbleson told listeners about the uh, talent, the thug ratio, yes. and how more more thug, more talent, they're uh, positively correlated. I don't know if that's always the case. I'm but... thinking now this is kind of a. Uh, well, let me make it this right. It's a quadratic function that's convex, so it's basically it's an upside down quadratic to where this is beyond the curve to where you're actually losing value as you increase the thug level. Basically, in other words, welcome back to Math Talk with John and Justin. In other words, basically, there's too much thug for this team to actually win because they're distracted. You could argue the same thing happened with with the Kardashians and all their distractions that hit the same threshold in the Ole Miss locker room. But Tennessee has gone well beyond us. So. That's where we're at here. So, I guess to bring this back kind of to an old Miss context, why in the world is – I mean, I guess this is slowly gaining more and more attention as time progresses. And now that it's a current player as opposed to former players at Tennessee, that kind of is much more directly involved with – well, I mean, the all the budget incidents with former players happen. Well, at least the, the Tennessee institution handling of the six different female victims was – the same thing. But now this is, I mean, it's, the fact that, I guess the media will now cover this more and more in detail, but the fact that it has been slow to gain traction, whereas Steve Robertson has basically, and others, Pat Forty, Woken, and whatnot, have basically been piling on Ole Miss for, essentially, I mean, for, well, women's basketball, the coach got fired within three months. That's, that's not a huge sport that everybody's super concerned with anyway track and field's done some winning so they did some cheating they at least got some winning out of it i can buy into that but at the end of the day we don't want three sports in trouble so you have this like institutional control thing football houston nut gets us in trouble and doesn't win screw houston nut the whole tunsil thing happened that punishment's happened it basically it cost old miss an sec title you can you make that statement pretty confidently yeah um and then you look at these other violations, just a couple uh, minor things. The, the, really, all the free, the direct free stuff outside of the Tunzel situation have been just minor issues. So, I mean, you look at the moments that they probably don't get nailed. The only thing they could get them is the academic fraud with Saunders. But we'll see what happens with it. But why has Ole Miss gotten killed for this stuff? When it all, see, it, sure. The worst thing they did was forge answers on a piece on an ACT. And then Tennessee has clearly a culture of violence, disrespect towards women, superiority. They, they, they actually do not have control. They have lack of institutional control more than Ole Miss does. How, why is the media hesitant to go there? Is it because Duke lacrosse scared off everybody from jumping the gun too much? Um, we saw what, I mean, maybe this probably isn't the best comparison. We saw what happened to Riley Blevins when he went all in on the Tunsil thing and basically got blackmailed out. Um, that was... I mean, I can see you from one hand why you wouldn't want to go at it, but it's kind of it's it's interesting. It's interesting to say the least how different things occur in society and how whether or not they are actually the most serious issues in, in reality, whether or not they actually get covered that way or not. I don't know what, if you have any thoughts on that, Justin. Yeah, 
I, I think the Duke lacrosse thing is is a it's a fair possibility. I I think what what it is more with the Tennessee thing is in a criminal case. You know, the allegations are just the tip of the iceberg, just the beginning of the story and the cover that is, and where that it's going to go. That is true. Whereas I think with this whole Ole Miss NCAA thing, there's a strong possibility that the actual story itself will be kind of a dud as opposed to, you know, the speculation. And I'm not saying Ole Miss isn't going to get hammered. I think there's maybe a 5 to 10% chance that, you know, there's an addition to those allegations or a second letter, whatever you want to call it. Um, somehow Ole Miss gets in worse trouble. But as it stands right now, with the accusations that have been made, the allegations that are currently in Ole Miss's possession, it would appear um, that the actual allegations might be less interesting than you know the, the, the news story that comes out beforehand speculating. So I think that's a potential reason for why it's bigger. I also think, you know, um, there are a lot of people that are ready to accuse Ole Miss of cheating. I mean, say you're a Texas A&M fan. You've lost to Ole Miss two years in a row. Um, they just took Greg Little away from you. They took Deontay Anderson. Last year, I took Demarcus Lodge. I mean, and this is a this is a Texas A&M is a fan base that I would consider very tangentially connected to Ole Miss. This this is nothing compared to, you know, an LSU, Alabama, Mississippi State fan. Even a Texas A&M fan, you know, they're pissed about that. Look at Clemson, you know, Robert Kimdichi. Look at Georgia, Laramie Tunsil. Um, I just think there's a lot of people that have lost to Ole Miss either on the field, on the recruiting trail, or both that are looking for some excuse that basically says, well, I didn't really lose, you know. They, they, they cheated, so... I, I think that that's a it's an easy narrative for people in the media to make. I think the whole sexual assault thing at Tennessee, while convenient for people that hate Tennessee, is much less satisfying uh, from a from a moral standpoint. Tennessee hasn't been good for a decade now. Well, that's... and also and also they're true victims. You know, it's 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 less satisfying when your enemy, um, you know, gets exactly. in, you in trouble they, for actually hurting people because you just people feel actually got hurt. For the, you feel and, bad exactly. for the old and, Miss. And, and in the old Miss story, there are no victims. You know, basically, old Miss is evil and pays players and cheats, hey, and they, Tom, get, so they get what they deserve. Get, they get what they deserve, you know. And so there's it's, it's an easier story, I think, for people to write and click on and all that. Little bit changing subject within this a little bit. The, what percent? Do you think the actual state media, the alleged meeting of Steve, Steve Robertson, the Mississippi State media in Hattiesburg occurred? You familiar with what I'm talking about? I do not think it occurred because I'm like 85 percent positive that I saw this when it started as a joke on the foom. I I'm. I, that's what I don't get. Like even even on the board where I think it started, it's been reposted and people have acted like they've never seen it before. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm almost certain the MSU Mafia thing is like basically copy pasta. I don't know if you know what that is, but um, it's like on the internet, someone writes out some thing, some troll thing, and basically it gets copied and pasted um, over and over again, and people assume it's from you know a real source because it's it's been disseminated over and over. Basically, John, this is a funny story from what happened uh, last week on Elite Dogs. Um, they're they're the key source for Ole Miss NCAA investigation news. Like I'm not even joking. That's Coach Thirty Four claims that um, you know if you want the, the 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 true news, come here to this Mississippi State centric message board. Um, someone started a thread on there saying that they heard from Alabama sources 
uh, some punishment for Ole Miss. It was like 32 scholarships over four years, two-year bowl ban, all the stuff, like crazy punishments. They were like, yeah, this was posted on a, an Alabama 247 board. Uh, and everybody was like, yeah, confirmation of Coach 34 sources. Yeah, yeah, And then several posts later, it turns out, the post they had copied and pasted and brought back from the Alabama 247 board was actually copied from Elite Dogs and posted there to begin with. So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of the news cycle on this stuff. I mean, it's all all just, um, you know, regurgitation and people swallowing the vomit and throwing it back up. There's no real, you know, I I don't think there's much of a signal in all the noise, I guess is what I'm getting at. And I think that what you're talking about, the MSU mafia, media, meeting or whatever, probably falls into that, you know, just – huge cloud of misinformation that's just being created nonstop on the internet right now just because people have nothing better to do. I'm going to disagree. Podcast might end for the day. 80% chance it happened. I bet they met at Wards in Hattiesburg. That's my, that's my, uh, you're picking Wards. I'm picking Wards in Hattiesburg as a spot for old Steve Robertson sit there and chow down a big one. Me. What else are these people going to do besides have a meeting in Hattiesburg? To I don't spot? think that they, Let's needed, think about they didn't need to meet. To, to like people like what people think maybe they, they just wanted some wars maybe that's fine pain. but the idea that the story is that these guys got together and all agreed to start hating Ole Miss that didn't start this year like these not hate Ole Miss conspire to bring them down with NCAA oh report my God. if this is their conspiracy to bring Ole Miss down it is like embarrassingly wait wait you're telling telling me they're actually not just complete dumbasses hang that's, on here that's but that's my point is that they're just complete dumb Asses who every day are trying to bring Ole Miss down in whatever way they can think of, which is not very effective. Or I think the NCAA way. falls in the dumbass category too, though. That's the problem. And you well, put I mean, you ever heard of Larry Templeton? He works for the NCAA. It's true too. I think NCAA's had a guy in Oxford for three years. You think they're going to walk out of there without at least getting some kind of pound of flesh? I don't know if the Tunsil thing's enough for them. That's just an isolate. I mean, we'll see what they do. I mean, my guess is they lose two or three. They probably lose maybe I don't know six to nine scholarships over three years, say. And it's I mean, everybody. It's not crippling by any stretch. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but whatever. We can all move on. But we shall see. It's been it's been interesting for sure. It's almost to me. I don't know how you feel about this. It almost seems like the state Ole Miss dynamic has gotten even uglier and weirder than say the Auburn Alabama dynamic, where I just don't. I mean, Auburn, Alabama, obviously, it's a huge rivalry, but I just, I mean, you don't hear about Auburn people just going out and above and beyond. Like, oh, there's NCAA allegations against Alabama. We're going to bring him down, blah, 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 blah. I just, it's. When was the last time? The, the, last the time, difference is, I, go ahead. I was going to say, when was the last time that both programs in Alabama were good? I mean, I guess the, the comparison would be. The uh, say or uh, Muschamp's first or not Muschamp, uh, Gus Malzahn's first year, right? Because yeah, the kick six year Alabama was good and yeah. Auburn was lucky and also kind of good. The rivalry was pretty bad that year, but it never got to this like NCAA, dude. Field. Okay, whatever NCAA shit, but what about the trees? Yeah, that's pretty intense, man. That is, that is. That's pretty intense. And what about 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, putting a Cam Newton jersey on the Bear Bryant statue, that's pretty intense to you. But the trees, to be fair. I know. think the trees are the worst thing that's happened in any American college football rivalry. That oh, I, I completely agree. But to be fair, that's an individual acting alone. That's not the people that – Okay, okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I think that's a little bit different. Okay, my biggest problem is I don't know how many people really make up this MSU message board because I legit think that Coach Thirty Four is posting a lot of the posts on that site. I agree, especially when you go into the threads that he start. There are at least three or four users that I'm almost positive are him. There's one one to look for that just started in recruiting season. It's called Commerce Comet Twenty Four. If you watch his post, it's a million percent Coach Thirty Four. He only posts in threads that are started. Man, Coach you spent too much time on Elite Dogs. If you got this down, this is hey this man. Is- I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what you can what you can Nobel say. Peace Prize research, Dude, right? It's not like I'm over there reading threads about Mississippi State. <laughs> That's I mean true. I mean every thread that I'm reading directly relates to Ole Miss. So in my defense, that's all I'll say in my defense. Yeah, I saw a theory on the spirit board. I actually kinda like it. They, they they said, why don't we just move the egg bowl to the middle of the season? Because they state state loses that game and just gets pissed off all off season. I don't every think year. I don't think state would do it. I don't think that their administration would agree to would not. The game. I, I'm not sure ours would want to. I actually thought like I was thinking myself that's actually a good idea. We've gotten to the point where the spirit board has good ideas. What what is this world? Well, I just think that we've we've become so inundated with the six pack speak and elite dogs. That their ideas are literally incomprehensible and idiotic like the burner phones thing, and it, it makes his spirit look reasonable by comparison. That's probably true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you got anything else you want to discuss this week, John? I had something a minute ago, but I forgot it. We can probably cap it there. Yeah, well, uh, with the combines coming up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think what almost had six people invited. Yeah, I think we talked back. about this last week. Notable exceptions being Trey Elston. Uh, no, Trey didn't get invited. I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah, I know it sucks. Um, but Trey's gonna get drafted, though, right? I mean, he's got. He didn't get invited to the combine. That puts. I don't know. Yeah, it's rough. It he will. He will sign. Worst case, signs an undrafted free agent and then go to a camp. Yeah, for I, sure. It's interesting. I want to see. I. I don't know. So, is Mike Hilton's uh, football career done? Mike Hilton will sign with an undrafted free as a free agent and be one of the last guys cut. Yeah, that's sad. He's gonna he's gonna be like next year's Charles whatever that guy. He's got a ten to twenty percent chance of sneaking on as a fifty third man because he can do so many things. He but can play, yeah, he can play so many positions. See, Mike Hilton is smart. Mike Hilton would be a terrific coach. Yeah, would, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'm sure he will one day. Doesn't work out, I, would, I think he'll take a shot, though, at the NFL. And Mike Hill is one of those guys that could sneak onto a roster like you just said. I mean, he, he's, he snuck on as a starter for four years at Ole Miss at, what, 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, Yo, coach safeties at Ole Miss. He will play Batoon. Even though, I, look, Batoon, we, we, we make too much fun of Batoon. A lot of the dumb stuff that happened in recruiting is free strategy fault. Like, what, what linebacker am I going to recruit? Recruit yeah. no linebackers. I don't know. We'll see. Free, yeah, Freeze's recruiting is interesting because it's hard to criticize on paper, but when you look at some of the decisions made, there's some head scratchers. Yeah. At, at the same time, I mean, like getting Greg Little. Could you uh, three months ago we were we were like, dude, 
We're gonna suck. We're gonna suck at offensive line next year. This is gonna be terrible. We might have. Uh, we might be overextended because we still got to figure out right tackle. Twenty sixteen. That's still a project. I, I don't think so. Who's gonna play right tackle? Either Rawlings or, or uh, Conyers. We talked about. You that. think Rawlings can be a solid SEC right tackle? Yeah, until Bryce Matthews is ready. Okay. Rawlings was a solid SEC tackle last year when we beat Alabama. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's the only – I mean, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the to, to rebuttal. I might be whole, underselling him, but I – The whole I, beat Alabama thing. I'm, I'm probably – I think Rawlings can be an above-average center without a doubt. But Everybody wants to put Rawlings at center. We'll see. We will see. We'll see. We got a lot of time to, uh, to argue about that one. So, um, thanks for joining us, guys. You can tune in next week, and we'll continue to uh, – Discuss Sean Rawlings' um, effectiveness at right tackle in the SEC and various other Ole Miss topics. But um, thanks for listening. Follow us on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. I guess you can rate and review us if you want. I don't think we have any reviews. Um, you can get the show at LandSharksAfterDark.com, of course. Uh, follow us on Twitter at SharksAFTRDark. Follow John on Twitter. I don't know if he uses it. Follow me at Sanders. Um, and we'll do it again next week, guys. Same time, same place. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.